Welcome to Elevate Podcast, the fastest way to elevate your life. Brought to you by elevatebooks.com. Hello and welcome to another one of our Elevate Podcast. My name is Benjamin J. Harvey, the Difference Maker Mentor. And once again, we have the pleasure of interviewing an international best-selling author from the Elevate series. Now, if you want to find out more about them or any of the other authors in the Elevate series, be sure to check out elevatebooks.com forward slash authors, where you'll actually find a bunch of additional information and plenty of highly valuable and free, that's free resources you can download immediately to further assist you in elevating all areas of your life. And today we have uh, Kim Tiong with us. Kim helps her high-performing clients achieve their seemingly impossible goals by helping to align the different aspects of themselves so they can get where they want to go without the internal fight. As a personal transformation coach specializing in holistic neuro-linguistic programming and change work, Kim assists her clients in awakening their true power so they are able to say, I am enough just as I am. This enables them to make their internal vision a reality from a place of inspiration, creation, and flow. Demonstrating transformation in her own life, Kim started her career as an external auditor, working with some of the most reputable professional service firms in the industry, and has been invited to speak at conferences and events by organizations such as the Chartered Accountants of Australia and New Zealand, formerly the Institute of Chartered Accountants in Australia, and the Institute of Management. So, uh, can we all give Kim now a wondrously warm welcome. Welcome, Kim, to the podcast. Thank you, Ben. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. How are you doing? Really well, thank you. Yeah, really well. Excellent. Well, I know the listeners are really looking forward to this because I know a lot of them have actually um, gone through your chapter and also... Uh, been to your website as well. So uh, just just to kick off, uh, tell me a little bit about why you're so passionate about uh, changing people's lives and helping people, you know, actualize their vision. I guess I know what it's like to feel just so fundamentally flawed and so fundamentally wrong that your very essence and your very being is rotten to the core. You know, I remember having this visualization, this intense visualization that I had this black cancer inside of me and I was trying to do everything that I could just to pull it out of me. And I realized that that black cancer was how I visualized and internalized myself. And if I could just get this myself out of me, then I'd be okay. So I know what it's like just to feel so empty so miserable you know so hopeless and helpless and worthless and trapped and I also know that it's ultimately up to us to take responsibility and to change ourselves it's ultimately ourselves that keeps us in that place and no one else can really help pull us out unless we're willing to help ourselves first so with all of that in mind I guess I'm just I'm so passionate, really, just about helping other people to get out of that place so that they can then go on and live the life that they really want to live. Because I really believe that, I guess, our biggest contribution that we can make is our own well-being in this world. I love it. Yeah, to really help people just to live the life that they want to be living. So it sounds like you've been on quite a journey yourself. And and I guess, so do you find that 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 journey that you went through, this this blackness, this darkness that was in your body that, that, was, uh, that was you, 
you, is that kind of what shaped the direction you're going in? Is that is that how it all took place? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I guess before all of this, as you were saying, I was an external auditor. I guess on the outside, my life sort of looked perfect. I had the corporate career. I was on partner track. Um, was married at the time as well, and woke up one day and just thought, if I died tomorrow, would I be happy with what I'd achieved and where I was in life? And I realized I was just so miserable. I would have been really, really unhappy that I'd wasted my time on this earth living my life according to everyone else's expectations and just being so miserable with who I was. So that sort of kick-started me on a journey of self-discovery. Yeah, right. So I guess uh, by the sounds of it, uh, people can resonate because I know a lot of people do go through dark times, but I guess what you're fundamentally saying here is that you can come out the other end of it. Is that is that is that what you're saying here? Yeah, absolutely. And I guess recently my measure of success has changed so that it is much more around am I okay, am I okay with me? You know, am I okay with me and where I'm at and what I'm doing? And if I'm not, then how can I make it so I am? Yeah, I was recently just on your website, uh, 134matchsticks.com.au. That's 134matchsticks.com.au. And I noticed at the top there was a tab that I could click on called Our Patterning. And it really had an incredible uh, breakdown in a visual sense that I think all the listeners need to log on to and check out, 134matchsticks.com.au. And, and I just found it a, a really succinct and simple idea to follow that, that makes an incredibly amount, a large amount of sense. So do, do you want to share a little bit more about that to the listeners listening in? Yeah, sure. I guess the diagram really is the way that I see our patterning working. So we'll have an incident or an event that happens to us between the ages of zero and seven years old. So it could be a birth trauma in the womb, it could be a parent's fighting, you know, it could be anything really, whether it's big or small. So because where between the ages of zero and seven years old, we have that childlike, all that child understanding. That's how we see the world. So we interpret the incident using our understanding at that time, and then we create a limiting belief based on the incident. So I'm not worthy, or it's my fault that my parents are fighting, or the world is not safe, or whatever that belief is. And at the same time, we attach the emotions to it. We feel emotions, guilt or shame or fear or anger. We feel it somewhere in our body and we sort of, that emotion just is overwhelming for us. So say you're a three-year-old and your parents are fighting and you've taken, you see them fighting and you take it on as being your fault. And then you create the belief that I'm not worth, like, I'm not worth love. And then you sort of trap that emotion because it's so overwhelming. You trap it physically in your body where it sits there and stays. And then we create a coping mechanism or a strategy to deal with the incident. So it could be shutting ourselves off. Or it could be distracting ourselves, running away and playing. Or it could be hiding, pretending it's not happening, whatever it is. And we take all of this on and it just it stays like that. So it becomes a pattern that we just keep repeating over and over and over again because at the same time, we have this primitive creature neurology which doesn't understand good or bad or useful or unuseful. It just 
all it understands is, well, what have I experienced up until this point? And if I've experienced it up until this point, I know that I can survive it. So that's what I need to keep doing in order to keep surviving. So I'm going to keep, keep repeating this pattern over and over and over again. And then overlaying all of that, we also have our family loyalties, our devotional patterning, which is like a way for us to belong or a way for us to uphold the love and to be loyal to our parents and those other people that have come before us so that we can sort of belong to a tribe, I guess. Yeah, right. I mean, this is fascinating stuff. I I, I love it. And I, I guess, so what you're saying fundamentally is a lot of people are being driven by beliefs they formed when they were only like four or five years of age and many years later in life, they're being run by a mindset that was only about four years old. Is that kind of the, the idea? Like, is this what's going on in people's heads and minds and bodies and hearts? Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of that patterning, when you go into it, we find that it's very similar or the same patterning that their parents are being run by or that their yeah. parents are being run by. And it's things that we pick up again because we are so devoted to our parents and the people that have come before us that we don't want our parents to suffer, right? So we take yeah, on them yeah. or we take on their shame to try and help them and save them. And we don't realize that when we do that, it's like when a computer takes on a virus, it quarantines it and pushes it down and puts all these layers around it so that nothing can change it. And we don't realize that when we take on all of this stuff that we essentially do the same thing, that we quarantine it within our bodies and we put it so that it's read-only or not even read-only. We bury it so far down that we forget that it's even there. Like a hidden file or something. You know, sometimes you can log on the computer and you click this link and all of a sudden there's files all over your desktop that were hidden or something. It's like a... Yeah. Like that. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Exactly right. And we don't realize that we have these hidden files that are running our lives. So this is this is an interesting thing because I know when I was growing up with, with some traumas I went through, when I found myself later on in life in situations that brought them up, I'd act like a six-year-old. You know, I'd be a fully matured adult in normal life, but when some um, trigger occurs, I'd go back to a six-year-old way of thinking. And this really explains what's going on here because it's almost as though we regress back to the age of the trauma. Is that, is that kind of what happens? Absolutely, yes. And when you're, I guess, communicating with someone, you're never really communicating with them at mm. one age, at one point in time. You're really communicating mm -hmm. with all of them. So we could have lots of different triggers, so to speak, or lots of different hidden files from all kinds of ages. You know, they could be a part of us that's from the womb. It could be a part of us that's three years old or five years old. So we're communicating with all of those different parts of us when we have one person in front of us. Wow. I love it. So tell me then... Um, I'm looking at a diagram here on your website. I just want to, for the listeners who um, do actually have a copy of, of your book in their hand, uh, obviously you can uh, check out uh, more information inside the book. And I think uh, your chapter, I believe, starts on page 119, and you can have a read through there. The, the diagram I'm looking at, so it's basically we've got this event incident occurs, and then there's an arrow pointing to this thing that looks like a, a human head and shoulders. So the event incident enters in, and then it is um, transformed into three elements. It becomes a belief. It uh, also is then formulated into emotion. You've written here fear, guilt, shame, anger, and hurt. 
And then that is what transpires into what you class as the strategies or our coping mechanism. And underneath all of that, we've got this primal creature that references the world as, you know, life or death scenario. And it doesn't matter if, if, even if it's been bad what's happened until now, as long as I'm not dead, it's okay to repeat that because I didn't die. So it just keeps repeating these patterns. And then off to the, the side of all of this, we've got this thing called family loyalties, which is where we want to be loyal to our family and therefore we often carry the burden of that as well. And we see quite often in families these intergenerational um, issues carrying all the way down the line. Is that, uh, have I got that clear, what, what I'm looking at here? Yes, you have, absolutely. That's a great way of explaining it. Brilliant. So, so tell me, what are some, other, what are some tips that you could uh, give the listeners uh, that, that, that are find that they're in this dark space or maybe they're just not getting the results they want or perhaps they're, they're gripped by fear or, or shame or guilt or, you know, we've all been hurt in some way. Well, what, what are some of the, the easy wins that some of these listeners could take away straight away? I guess the first thing is probably to let go of the judgment and let go of the... The, yeah, the self-judgment. Um, one thing that I do is to say, okay, you know, not it's okay, but just, okay, this is where I'm at. Okay, now where do I want to go? I guess judgment keeps us stuck there, right? It, when we put judgment around something, it builds these layers of shame, around it all and it stops us from learning, it stops us from progressing and going forward because we don't want to revisit it because we're so ashamed of it. So if we can mm. let go of that judgment and just take a little bit of a breath and say, okay, you know, it's like um, a machine almost or some sort of system where we put in the inputs, something happens, these are the outputs, this is what happened and it wasn't what I wanted. So if you can say, okay, that's what happened and then if you can feed all of that back into the system and say, well, where I would like to go is here, then we're going to feed it back into the system and just see how that goes. So the first step for me is just about letting go of all of that judgment and just saying, okay. Because I guess I look at the world and say that no matter what is happening, it all has a positive intention. I know it sounds a little bit crazy sometimes with all of this stuff that, that happens. I really do believe that every behavior and every experience that we have has a positive intention, even if it's completely warped and twisted and it may not seem like it is. I do believe that you know, we do all kinds of crazy things to try to help and heal and say I love you to other people. So I guess uh, it's, it's kind of like viewing the world with rose colored glasses i know they've done a lot of research into people that are that are happy and fulfilled and it's not that they pretend that the the bad things didn't happen but it's more about the meaning they place on it that they can then use to empower themselves in the future and i and, and i've definitely found a lot you know one of my favorite quotes is by art Linkletter, and he says things turn out best for the people who make the best out of the way things turn out so are you saying that no matter what happens People should look for the empowering meaning from it or the empowering belief to be formed so that that can then allow them to experience more of themselves in the future. Is that, is that the idea here? Yeah, I think that's the ultimate goal. I think when you're 
in a particular place, though, it can be challenging and really difficult to to see that and to get um, to that place. So I think if you're stuck in a certain place and it just all looks black and dark, then I think it's okay for you to be there and to work through that in that moment, if that makes sense. So to sort of work through the emotions and the things that you're feeling and then once you can sort of release all of that without judgment, because I think a lot of the time when we're there in those dark places, we're also judging ourselves for being there. You know, we're saying, yeah. oh, I should be, should be able to deal with this, or everyone else is okay, or like, why the hell, why am I like this, you know? But if you can just be in that place and just say, okay, I'm in this place, okay. Yeah, as uh, Wayne Dyer would call it, shooting all over yourself. Exactly, exactly. So if you, if we're able to stop shooting all over ourselves, I guess I sort of think of it like we are only ever doing the best with what we can at that point in time. With the resources that we have, we're only ever doing the best. So the way that I look at the past is that it's almost like we had no other option but to do what we did because if we're only ever doing the best we can in that moment, then that's really all we were doing, you know. If we could do better, then we would be doing better, but we can't. So the way that I look at the past is we're only ever doing the best. There's no other option. But in terms of the future and looking forward, I see that there's nothing but options. Um, I love the thought that at the end of the day, we're all playing our part, you know, in this big tapestry of life. And at the end of this, there's going to be a big soul party where, you know, a big cast party where all the souls are going to be removing their masks and be getting awards for the worst villain or the best supporting actress or whatever those awards are. And at the end of the day, we're just playing our part in this big tapestry of life. I think um, Virginia Satir was a lady who um, spoke about uh, the five freedoms and she's been instrumental in a range of different uh, therapies and uh, definitely one of the core freedoms she often speaks about is to feel what one feels instead of what one ought to. And so I guess what, you're saying that if, you know, if I'm feeling a certain thing, the idea is to feel it, not place judgment on it, but just to feel my way through it as part of my journey and just say, okay, you know, where I'm at right now is okay. Absolutely, yes. I think that when we want um, an experience of greater dignity and integrity, we tend to turn against ourselves and shoot all over ourselves or judge ourselves and make ourselves wrong for where we're at. So I think, yes, just to be okay with where you're at right now. So to make it as practical as possible, um, I go to work and all of a sudden the boss says something to me. I get really upset because it brings back some trauma I had when I was a kid. I'm sitting there frustrated and angry and you're basically saying it's an easy first step for listeners. Just take a, a deep breath in and simply just say to yourself, you know, I'm okay. Where I'm at is okay right now. Here I am, I'm okay. Yeah, and it's okay to be frustrated and angry. That's okay. It's okay to be frustrated, so just, so just own the thing. Yeah. Now, that, that actually, there's a saying that says the healing is in the feeling. And so you're saying just sit with it and say it's okay to be angry. You know, don't judge the anger, just be okay with it. Don't judge that you're frustrated, just be okay with that. Is that the idea? Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and I guess at the same time, don't, lash out at other people mm-hmm. <laughs> you know don't yeah, yeah, yeah. throw it across the room <laughs> <laughs> don't turn monitors just, at them <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, like it's nice and simple, you know, and, and that's the thing. I think the simple things in life really have profound impacts on people, and that is a pretty easy first step. So um, I know there's a lot more that we're going to talk about, but just at this early stage, if people wanted to find out more about you, what's the best way that they can start to connect more deeply with your teachings, with your message, with, with what it is that you do? How can they get a, a deeper connection with you? Yeah, the best way is through the website, so www.134matchsticks.com.au. Got it. And uh, I noticed that it, it's just packed full of content, and it really does continue to cover this whole idea of holistic change work. Now, when you talk about a holistic approach to change work, you know, what, what's Kim's version of holistic change work? What does that mean to you? I guess it's really seeing yourself, seeing me as not just a one-dimensional being, you know. It's holistic in terms of, yes, it's physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, but it's also holistic as in I say that there are three different parts of us. So we've got this creature neurology that's, happening, this very primal, primitive way of being. We also have our soul, our higher spiritual selves, and then in the middle we have the human part of us that's trying to pull all of this together and get on with the everyday. So I see holistic change work as being encompassing all of those those three different parts of ourselves, as well as on the physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual level. Got it. Yeah, I like it. So, so tell me then, uh, they can obviously check out your website, which is fantastic. And it covers a lot more about that holistic, multiple, multi-dimensional approach to things. What are some of the tips you'd like to give our listeners that, uh, apart from that, you know, the okay system that you've, you've explained, what else? If, if there was sort of one thing that you'd want to give to our listeners that would most assist them to elevate their success, uh, what would you, what would you say? I guess for me it's about doing really deep internal work as well as taking external action. I like the idea that a tree can really only grow as tall as its root system will allow. Mm-hmm. So for me the first step is really to do the deep internal work to then allow yourself to grow really big and strong and tall externally. Got it. So, and so for the people that are sitting out there now, uh, is there any other advice you'd like to offer them, uh, anything else you'd love to say to them uh, in this short time that we have to, available together? I guess, again, it just comes back to being okay and having rapport with yourself, no matter where you are, no matter what's going on for you. That's really my definition and my measure of success is all right, I've got no money in the bank, am I okay? Am I okay with where I'm at right now? Okay, I've got a million dollars in the bank, am I okay with that? Am I okay with where I'm at right now? You know, it's no matter where you are in life, it's the first step is just, are you okay with you? Can you be okay with you? Rather than turning... Sorry, go for it. Go on, go on. No, I was just going to say, rather than turning against yourself, because 
when we, again, when we turn against ourselves, we just stop learning and we stop growing and we just stop ourselves. So opening yourself up to then be able to move forward is the first step for me is, again, am I okay with me? Beautiful. So it sounds really a lot like it's really an inward journey of self-love and, and becoming your own best friend. Is that is that really like the core to all of it? You know, is that is, is self-love the key? For me, it is. Yes, I guess a lot of people talk about self-love, and a lot of people talk about being your own best friend, and it's um, it can be turned into a little bit of a um, a trite thing, you know, like something that's oh yeah, yeah, yeah quite yeah. cliched. Everyone's saying yeah, it. yeah, yeah, exactly. But I guess at the core of it, it is that not just. I suppose taking a step back, sometimes it can be turned into that cliche of, well, you know what, I I love myself, and it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks. I don't care. I'm I'm okay, you know. Yeah. And, and it's not it's not loving yourself in that sense because that way of being is still reacting to other people. You know, for me it is it is really a deep love and a deep connection with yourself regardless of who's around you and regardless of where you're at. Yeah, because, you know, it's funny. It, it does sound cliched that loving yourself is the answer, but surely everyone throughout the history of the time who's said that, they can't all be wrong, you know. So, so mm. I think it's uh, it's important that people pay attention to that. And I hope the listeners that are listening today um, do pay attention to that simple fact because clearly through your research and through the results and, you know, when, when listeners log onto your website, they'll see um, testimonials and case studies of people who've got phenomenal results from working with you. And really, what you've really been doing is just guiding them back to a place of, of self-love. So, so the, the, the evidence and the results that you get with your clients really does speak for itself. Now, the listeners out there can also find out more information by going to the, the book's website. Uh, see, you know, you're now an international best-selling author, and there's a website, uh, elevatebooks.com forward slash Kim. So if you go to elevatebooks.com forward slash Kim, you'll actually be able to find a whole bunch more information uh, about Kim. And there's a whole uh, range of additional resources there as well that uh, will allow you to get uh, much more information around what it is that she does and how she does it. And again, just check out that diagram on her website. It's a brilliant depiction of, of what takes place inside our mind and body. So, Kim, I really want to thank you uh, so much for allowing me to sit here and have a listen to you and hear about your message and find out more about how the mind and the body and energy and, and how it all works. So I, I really want to thank you so much for that. And thank you, Ben. I really appreciate it. A pleasure. So, as always, if you'd like to hear any more uh, about uh, this author or any of the other authors, be sure to check out elevatebooks.com forward slash author. And I really want to um, thank you once again for your time. And always remember that giving yourself permission to do what you love, that really is the key to elevating all areas of your life. Until we meet again, share your light, live your love, and do whatever it takes to be your own best friend. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to Elevate Podcast, the fastest way to elevate your life. For more information, visit www.elevatebooks.com.